Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able Sermon Series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Brandon Billups. I am the college and young adults pastor here. Um, excited to be here with you this morning. Super excited about college students being back in town. And while I'm up here and have the mic and um, can do this, I'm going to let everybody know Thursday night, young adults thrive live at 7 o'clock. We're having food and worship and message. Everyone hangs out in the gym afterwards. So if you are a young adult, age. uh, Come on out. It's going to be a good time. Hey, we're in this series called God is Able. And to catch you up, um, we're we're walking through really word by word Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, which has kind of become, man, this verse that that our church has been praying over the last 20 years, that God would do immeasurably more, and he has in so many ways. And, And we're looking now to the next 20 years of like, hey, yes, God, do immeasurably more again, even more than the first time. And so if you've missed the last few weeks, I know college students new in town um, definitely have missed the first few weeks. Here's where we've been. Week one, we started with those first three words, now to him. And it was all about how it starts with God, right? It's not about us. It's not about our abilities. It starts with God. And we studied Elisha, and they were in this battle, and they're surrounded by um, horses and chariots, and the servant said to Elisha, what shall we do? And here was his response. He said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And when he did, he, he sees surrounded horses of chariots and fire because God was with them. And I, oh man, that's just awesome. Like, man, God, would you open our eyes to see what you are really doing? In week two, um, we went to who is able, those next three words, who is able. Um, and we know that our whole um, series is titled God is able, right? And so Joshua prays, hey, will you just make the sun stand still so that we can fight longer and win this battle? And God does it. And then week three, to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. This idea that God has these big plans for you. And if you were here last week, you saw Nick with all the buckets stacked up about to fall over where Jesus is turning water into wine. And that's our prayer. God, do immeasurably more through us. He wants to use you in an incredible way in your life. He wants to use you in an incredible way, not for your glory, not so that you can look back and say, hey man, look how great I was, look how great um, of a businessman I was, or how in shape I was, or look how big my house was, or, or even, hey, look how great of a Christian I was. 
look at, look at the things that I did. Look at all those awesome, you know, like, no, look at my legacy. No, there is already this incredible story being written since the beginning of time that will overshadow everyone's story, no matter how great of a success we might be by the world's standards. So we're going to run through that story real quick. All right, maybe you've heard this before. God made this world perfect. Satan tempted Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world. We live in this broken world now. Since that point, God has been reconciling the world back to himself, right? So God's people try and be righteous and follow the law. They can't. They weren't able. Jesus, God of the universe, steps out of heaven, comes into this broken world in the form of a helpless baby, lives a sinless life, becomes the sacrifice for you and me. And so now we can have that relationship with God, right? Because he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Jesus when he looks at us. But we're still here, right? God didn't take us up to heaven as soon as we gave our life to Jesus. Why? Because he's writing this incredible story of reconciling the world back to himself. And it started with Jesus and these 11 men on the mountain. Right after that, after he had been resurrected, and what does he say? He gives him the great commission: Go tell the whole world, go teach them, go baptize them. Now, two thousand years later, there are believers all over the world, and we get to be a part of that story. We get to partake in that story. God wants us to be in that story, and it's not about our abilities; it's about God. He is able. Here's your first point today. God wants to use you in his story. God wants to use you in his story. And if you haven't joined into this story, uh, if you don't feel like you've figured out your purpose in this story, I wonder it's because you're still thinking it's about your abilities. Uh, it's still like, man, I'm just not good enough. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you're right. <laughs> None of us are. None of us are good enough to do anything inside of God's story, but God is able and that was the message of the bible and that continues to be the message that we live today that it's not about us so here's your next point our minds have to shift from i can't to he can that's a shift from i can't to he can i i don't know if you guys have a god is able story in your life i have one that just always sticks out to me i was in moldova um a few years back and i had had this really long summer of weird back pain and it was just really sharp back pain in one spot in my back and I had spent this is, had gone on for 11 or 12 weeks leading up to this trip um, in Moldova and so I had gone to doctors I had, had x-rays I had had MRIs I had taken all kinds of different medicine and it just it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and when I was in Moldova it got as bad as it had ever gotten and um, I'm not the type of guy who likes to complain or ask for help um, like if someone needs to move a, if I need to move a piano upstairs, I'm going to try by myself before I ask for a few friends and inconvenience them to come over and I'll hurt my back. That's why I have back pain. Um, so anyway, so I am in Moldova and I've got this pain. It got real bad one day and I was, you know, just sitting and I guess I couldn't hide it on my face. I sat down and just like cringed and this guy on the trip named Michael comes up and goes, man, what is, what's going on? And I told him the story. I was like, man, I've been fighting this thing like all summer. I have no idea what it is. Like, I, I don't know if it's muscular. I don't know if it's like the kidney. Like, I don't know what this thing is. It feels different than normal. I'm getting old back pain. And um, he was like, well, listen, um, I, you know, God, um, before this trip, kind of just prompted me to, to bring this oil. And I'd love to, 
anoint you, anoint you with oil tonight and pray over you. Maybe get the guys and we can pray over you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, my background is I grew up super Southern Baptist, traditional. I haven't seen a lot of those things, right? That wasn't part of the culture. Um, I know it's biblical because I see it in James and I see it in the Bible, but I hadn't been a part of those things. And I was like, well, of course, yeah, please, like absolutely. Uh, you don't even say no to that. Um, so that night, and I'd been able to rest for a little bit, so my back was feeling fine at the moment. And Michael gets the guys, and he pulls me in. He sits me in a chair, and he's like, all right. Um, and he starts to share his faith, um, what God's doing in his life, what he believes. Really just, I mean, just a whole God is able sermon. Um, and and it, then they, he anoints me with oil, and the guys lay hands on me and start to pray over me. And as they're praying, um, I feel something in my back, like, twitch and like an it, you know involuntary muscle and I'm just to be honest my first thought was well, that's a coincidence right like okay I don't I don't was that a thing or was that like I think it's just like just happened like you know muscles do that sometimes and um, so anyway they all pray um, and you know it kind of the prayer like ends in this awkward like everyone kind of looks at me I'm like well my back already wasn't like hurting at the moment, so I, I'll let you guys know, <laughs> you know, like how this, how this all works out. And so I went to my room that night and I found myself, I just, I, I just started praying and, and I didn't have the words to pray. And I just prayed this over and over and over. I said, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because that's where I was. That's where I was, honestly, like, man, I, I know that you can do this. I believe that you can do this, but honestly, I don't know that I have the faith that you're going to do this and that you want to do this and that this is going to be the thing that happens. So I pray, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I just felt God kind of put on my heart, hey, go throw your medicine away. And my medicine that week was like a lifeline. Like, it was some muscle relaxers. It was, it was some stuff that, like, I was needing. If it got really bad, like, I needed it. It felt like a crutch, right? Um, and so I was like, okay. So I got it, and I put it in this little trash can in the corner of the room where I could easily get it back out if I needed to. <laughs> and I felt the Holy Spirit convict me in that moment, and I was like, yeah, I guess I should take out the trash. All right, so I get the trash, and I take it outside into this really big, gross dumpster and threw it in a place that I was never going to get it back again, um, which was a scary thing at that moment. So then I came back and I prayed again, God, I believe it helped my unbelief, and I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up and my back felt incredible. Like it was immediate, like, it, it was just this thing where it was like, it doesn't ever feel this good. I don't know, what is this? And I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip and slept in weird, like, beds and are tired and didn't get a lot of sleep. You don't ever wake up on the last day and your back feels incredible. <laughs> so I woke up and it felt incredible. But like in my head I'm going, okay, well, but is, is it going to come right back? Like once I get on my feet and start moving a lot and start doing stuff and kept going throughout the day and like it just continued to feel incredible and that night we had like this big you know debrief um with, with you know what God's doing what he's doing on mission like all those things and um I just felt God telling me like all right go if you believe I did this go ahead and tell everybody and so I did and in my back of my mind I'm going man how embarrassing is this going to be if it comes back in a couple days I mean just being honest that's that's where my mind was um but I was like, you know what, God, I think you did this. <laughs> and so I prayed. God, or I didn't pray. I said, I told everybody. And I was like, all right, guys, I think God healed me. And I told what Michael did, um, praying over me and the guys and what had happened. And listen, I never had that back pain ever again. It was gone. 
And what's crazy about that story is I don't even know what I was healed from. <laughs> the doctors never diagnosed it. I don't know if it was muscular. I don't know if it was major or minor. I have no idea. But here's what I know is, is God was using the faith of Michael to work in my life. Because I didn't have the faith on my own to, to know that God was able in that situation. But, but Michael did, and he brought me along in that story with me. And when I look back, I even go, man, did I ever even pray about this? In that 11, 12 weeks of seeing doctors and taking the medicine and doing the stuff, did I even bring it to God first? Here's your next point. Living in God's power leads us to bring things to God first. Man, how often do we have anxieties and issues and problems that arise in our lives? And we go, okay, let's hit, let, let me think of all the ways that I can fix this. Let me, man, maybe things are just spinning in our head. We start to fill with anxiety and we don't bring it to God first. Man, God is able. We have to make that shift in our mind that God can do anything. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to worry about this outcome. That is living in God's power not our own. And that's what this is all about today. It's living in God's power. Today we're going to be in Acts 2. This is the beginning of the church. This is going to be the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Um, man, we're going to see we're going to see Pentecost, where the Spirit is poured out, where Peter preaches, where 3,000 people are saved. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start walking through Acts 2 um, and that story. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, we do come before you today and just declare that you are able. There are so many stories in this room right now. And God, we declare over every single one of them, you are able. God, as we dive into your word today, God, please illuminate it in our hearts, in our minds. Help us to understand it in a way that we couldn't on our own, God. Open our eyes the way you did that servant, God, so that we can see what you are doing, God. We ask for your spirit in this place, God, to move. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to be in Acts 2, so if you're there or turn there to Acts 2, we're going to be um, uh, walking through a lot. Say We'll start in verse 1. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So man, the disciples are there and man, the, the Holy Spirit has come and they are literally seeing tongues of fire um, above their heads, which is so cool. And before we move on, I want you to check this out because Matthew 3, 11, this is John the Baptist, says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. <laughs> man, what a cool prophecy that is coming true in this moment we're seeing in this story. And why fire? Well, here's, here's what a lot of the commentaries say about the significance of man. Fire is purification. It signifies purification in, in that day. And that is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And that is where he starts. This, um, this week, actually, I don't know if you guys ever get um, or have heard this term. Um, in our family, we call them Godwinks. Um, where sometimes you just like, you just, a little something happens and you're like, that was God. 
You know, it, it maybe it's not a huge thing, but it's something you're like, yeah, that was God. And it just feels like a little wink, right, of him just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here. And this week I was, man, I was studying for this. I was writing, and I just kind of hit a block. Um, and as I'm sitting there writing, and I'm um, at my desk, and I look over, and I see a devotional book that I have, um, his utmost for um, his, my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. And um, the first thing that entered my mind wasn't, I haven't had my quiet time yet today, which was true. Um, the first thing that entered my mind was, oh man, maybe I could kind of scroll through there, see if I can find um, this verse or this, you know, and just see like, hey, is there something that, you know, that he says that's really good that I could bring in? And I just felt the Holy Spirit again be like, hey man, like, you're going to spend time with me today before you write a sermon, before you do this all on your own ability. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll go to today's date, which is August 22nd. So I go over and I split, I go to that date, August 22nd. And the verse that day is Matthew 3.11. And it was just like, yeah, I, I think a lot of the world would look at that and go, oh man, what a coincidence. No, no, it, it is, this, is, this is God working even in small ways. And so I read through it, I studied it, and, and there was something in there that I wanted to bring you. We're going to have the quote on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus cannot come and do his work in me as long as there is anything blocking the way, whether it is something good or bad. When he comes to me, am I prepared for him to drag every wrong thing I have done into the light? Wherever I know I am unclean is where he will put his feet and stand. And wherever I think I am clean is where he will remove his feet and walk away. And that's strong. You don't want him to walk away, by the way. We want Jesus to come and put his feet on us where we need to be purified, where we need God to come in. Because he's preparing us for something. It starts with this purification with the Holy Spirit. Here's your next point. God has power over your sin. God has power over your sin. As we're reading through this, um, Acts 2, here's what's happening. There is a harvest, like grand harvest celebration that is happening. Um, and so people have been com- are coming from all countries, regions, different places, and they are coming to be a part of this. And in Acts 2, they, we call it Pentecost, because it is 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave, right? And so it's Pentecost, it is happening in this place, and I want you to remember the Spirit's going to fall on the disciples. Remember this real quick. The disciples were a mess with Jesus, right? Um, they're fighting over who would sit at Jesus' right hand. They're, Peter's cutting off ears and then denying Christ. No one ever understood what Jesus was doing or saying. They look at each other and be like, what does that even mean? Like, what is he talking about? Um, yet doubting Thomas, he, they, they fall asleep when Jesus is like, hey, just stay awake and pray. And they like all fall asleep right away. But they didn't have the Holy Spirit when Jesus was there. And Jesus is the one that said, hey, I'm going to leave, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's better. And what we're going to see now, the Holy Spirit has fallen on them, and these disciples begin to look like new men. So here's what happens. At this point, they begin to speak in other tongues, other languages. Verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
utterly amazed. They ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So the disciples here, they're not speaking gibberish. All of a sudden, they start speaking another language that they never knew before. In fact, the Galileans were known and looked down upon because they weren't articulate. Like, people looked down on them because of the way they talked, and now all of a sudden they're hearing another language, probably in a Galilean accent, and they're like, what is happening right now? Like, this is crazy. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews... And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. I want to stop for a second and look at just a couple words. And then Peter stood up. And then Peter stood up. And I want to take a second to look at everything that led up to this moment for Peter. Keep in mind, this is 53 days since he denied Christ three times and left ministry to go back to fishing. That was fresh. That had just happened. We were like a month and a half before this. He was like, I think it's over. So a little bit about Peter. Some of the things that led up. His Simon Peter. We're going to call him Peter for um, confusion's sake. Um, Peter, right, was a fisherman. He was called um, to follow after Jesus, right, by he was out there fishing, couldn't catch anything. Jesus says, hey, go cast your nets on the other side. They do. They catch a crazy amount of fish. And then Jesus says, hey, I want you to be a fisher of men. And they begin to follow Jesus. And, and, and man, Peter sees Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He sees Lazarus raised from the dead. He sees Jesus walk on water and then does so himself. Um, Peter was the first disciple to claim that Jesus is God, the deity of Jesus. Jesus tells Peter that he will build his church on him. Peter witnesses the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus predicts that and tells Peter, hey, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. He said, absolutely not, Jesus. I will never deny you. He and the other disciples fall asleep while Jesus is praying. They come to arrest Peter. He cuts off a guy's ear. Clearly wasn't aiming for the ear. Then when it came down to it, after all of it, in Jesus' greatest hour of need, what does he do? He denies Christ three times before the rooster crows. You can only imagine how Peter felt, right? And man, so what does he do? Christ dies. He thinks it's over. He goes back to fishing. He messed up. Jesus is gone. So he goes back to be a fisherman. He thought it was over, but with Jesus, it's never over. Amen? Jesus finds him and tells him that's the same thing. He hadn't caught a fish all night and says, hey, Peter, or hey, everybody, why don't you cast your nets to the other side? They do have a miraculous catch. It's a callback to when Jesus called him to ministry the first time. And then he brings, and then what does Peter do when he figures out it's Jesus? He jumps off the boat and swims to Jesus. And they sit on the beach and Jesus reinstates him in to ministry. And now here we are, less than 50 days later, and he stood up. This is a significant moment. Here's your next point. Your failure doesn't change God's call. I've used this point before, but it's such a good reminder. I brought it back again. Your failure doesn't change God's call. In fact, we see in Acts 1, before all of this is going to happen in Acts 2, that him and the disciples were constantly praying. 
right? Like they are just filled. They are just giving every, everything is about God and what they can do, not about their own abilities. And he stands up. And here's my question for you. There's going to be a time where God's going to call you to stand up. Are you ready? Uh, because if you're counting on your own abilities, then you're not, right? Like, like if you think Pastor Nick is more ready for that moment because he has experience preaching all the time than you do because you have the Holy Spirit, then you've missed it. God's going to call everyone at different points to stand up and what is inside us is going to come out. Are you ready to stand up? Okay, verse 15. Here's what Peter says. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Nice little joke there to start the sermon. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what Peter is doing here is he's saying, look, everybody, this thing, this crazy thing that's happening right now, God foretold of this happening. Listen, Peter didn't plan on preaching that day. He, he hadn't spent weeks preparing his sermon. He was like, all right, I'll start with an opening illustration. We'll make it funny so I can connect with the crowd. Then we'll maybe do a three-point with some sub-points. Then we'll bring it back at the end to the opening illustration. It's going to be great. No, he didn't do any of that. He didn't know this was going to happen. He wasn't prepared. He didn't write this thing. He just, it was happening, and he stood up, and what was inside him spilled out. And what does he begin to do? He begins to talk about what he had read in the Bible. Joel prophecy saying, look, this is it. This is what we have read about. This pouring out of the Holy Spirit is happening now. And then he ends with his call to action. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love Peter's boldness here. Like, there's clearly this big change has happened inside of him. Like, he's talking to some people, yes, that were, they were there when Jesus was crucified. I'm sure there were people there in the crowd that they were there cheering for Barabbas to be freed. But there's also a whole lot of people there that have no idea about any of this. Right? They came from another place, another thing. And, and you know what he says? Every one of you, you put Jesus on the cross. And I think that's the message for us today as well. Every single one of us, if there is sin in your life, you put Jesus on the cross. Here's your next point. Living in the, in the Spirit's power emboldens us to speak truth in love. Living in the Spirit's power emboldens us to speak truth in love. Peter kind of sounds harsh maybe as you read this, but man, he is doing this all out of love. He's saying, listen, 
You have to understand that you did this. It is your sin. You've got to repent and be baptized. To get you to this place where you know you need a savior, you've got to know that you've got sin and that you are at fault. Verse 25, Peter's going to quote Psalm 16. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then he speaks again, verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried in his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and here. So Peter's explaining to everyone, hey, listen, David died. He is in a tomb. Jesus, you, Jesus, you can't find the body. <laughs> it's not here anymore. The tomb is empty, and that same power that raised him from the dead is inside of you. This is what he is telling them, and this is, this is us too, right? This is your next point. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. Man, we need to be walking through life with that power, with the faith and confidence that we have that power inside us, not because of anything we do, but because God is able. Verse 34, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for my feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Man, for some of you, that might be your call today. Maybe that's where you're at, where, man, Jesus is just calling you and saying, Repent and be baptized. Whatever's going on in your life, turn away from that sin. Turn towards Jesus. Repent and be baptized. And I love what it says next. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I love that verse 39. This wasn't just for them. This is for them. This is for their children. This is for where the gospel would go after this day. Listen, that's us. <laughs> the Bible's talking about us. This, this all happened, and it affected every single one of us in this room today. And it started. I, when I think back to the Great Commission, and Jesus with the 11, go. Go tell the world. And now here we are today, 2,000 years later, there's an estimated 2.6 billion Christians in the world. Now listen, whether you think all of those 2.6 billion are actual Christians or not, like, doesn't matter. The point is God is reconciling the world to himself. That is God's story, and he's doing it. 
right? It started with 11, it went to 3,000 right away, and now there are believers all over the world. You can't travel through the remote Amazon jungle without running into believers. Uh, we, I went to the Amazon like five years ago, and we went to this one village, and we were days upriver, like not hours upriver, we were days upriver. And we went in this one, we were doing house visits, and there was this one house we went to, and his name was Sebastian. And we walked up, and we were there so we could minister to him, we could pray over him, see what is going on, you know, in his life. And so we walked up, and we're like, hey, um, hey, here's who we are. We start to introduce ourselves, and he goes, he goes, I know, I knew you were coming. We're like, what? You're in the middle of the Amazon jungle, hours and days from a city. What do you, how? And he goes, yeah, last night I got a vision from God that you guys were coming. That's why I'm here on my porch. Whoa. He goes, my whole family's down there working right now. Um, but I'm up here because I, I was waiting to talk to you guys. And we sat down. And what we thought we were going to minister to Sebastian, he began to preach to us and minister to us. We had a young man with us um, whose dad had just died a month before. He hadn't opened up about it. He hadn't talked about it. He was really struggling. He just opened up to Sebastian through a translator. And he is just, Sebastian is just ministering to this kid. And it was such a God moment. And he pulled, you know, Sebastian had his Bible out in this old Portuguese Bible, completely tattered up. Like, you could just tell, well-used Bible. And we asked him, like, hey, how, how did you come to know Jesus? Like how, like, how do you do this in the middle of the Amazon jungle? He goes, well, 30 years ago, a missionary came to our village. He told me about Jesus, and he gave me this Bible. I've been following Jesus ever since. He had this big old sign on his front porch that said, Soldier of Christ in Portuguese. That's, this is God's story. This is God's story that the gospel is going to all the nations because he is able. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For every single person in this room, God has prepared good works for you in your life. He has prepared them before any of us were born. But man, we've got to live in the spirit, in God's power, to be able to see what those things are. Working with young adults, I often get the question, like, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know the, the purpose that God has for me? And I, I think, man, if you're living in God's power, if you're being directed by the Holy Spirit in that way, then you just keep following. <laughs> let, let him show you, right? Like, that's, that's all we need to worry about, man. How, what does our relationship with God look like? Is following the Holy Spirit, are we living in God's power and then we just follow him I want to end with this um, one of our pastors on our staff his name's Mike Minter um, has a quote and it says this there should be no human explanation for your life there should be no human explanation for your life I don't know about you but I want that to be said of my life I, I hope that at the end of my life I can look back and go there's no human explanation for the things it had to be God. Let's pray. God, <laughs> we come before you just humbled that you love us, that you care for us, that you want us to be a part of what you're doing. We know that we are not worthy 
to be loved by you. We are not worthy to be used by you. We're not worthy to be part of this story, God, but you are allowing it and using it. And so, God, I pray for every single person in this room, God, including myself and, and everybody. God, please send your spirit on us. God, show us what you have for us. Help us to walk in the spirit, God. Help us to follow in your power, God, not our own. God, when we begin to revert back to trying to control things ourselves and do things ourselves, God, I pray that you would send your spirit to convict us so that we would go to you first. God, we love you. We praise you because we know that you are good. We know that you are in control. We know that you are all powerful. And we know that you are above every story inside of this room, God. And so God, today we confess that you are able. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.